0: And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. We welcome you to this broadcast. We are so glad that you are able to join us today. Turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Pastor Elliot's focus today will be verses 16 and 17. From looking at these verses, we will consider two things one, the monument of the gospel, and two, the similarities between the Statue of Liberty and the gospel. And now, with his message, is our pastor, Robert Elliott. Let's pray.
1: Gracious and loving God, we thank and praise you for redemption, that the Lord Jesus came to that slave marketplace of sin, the dusty old tennis ball called Earth, and he redeemed us with his blood. we were not redeemed with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. We thank you that you moved us out of that slave marketplace to be yours, to be free to do your bidding, to live righteously, holy, and blamelessly in Christ. Lord, help us to be a body and bride of Christ that's healthy and pure, respondents to your grace, respondents to your redemption. And Lord, as we now look to your word, we pray that you would help me to keep clear what you have made clear. And Lord, I pray you'd stir the man in the pulpit and the people in the pew to wonder, love, praise, and worship, and obedience. And we ask this in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake, amen. Well, she has become the most famous icon of freedom and liberty. She is America's national monument called the Statue of Liberty. The statue is a gift from France. The concept was birthed by Edouard de Laboulaye and designed by artist Frédéric Auguste Bartholdi. The full title of the work is Statue of Liberty, Liberty Enlightening the World. I believe there are many significant parallels between the magnificent Statue of Liberty and the exquisite gospel by which we are saved. The statue and the gospel are both gifts. The statue and the gospel both celebrate freedom. Once the statue was given to American nation, the Americans had to build the pedestal upon which to display it. And once we receive the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ's salvation, we have the responsibility to live in such a way that the gospel and our right relationship with God are properly presented for the world around us to see. The statue was put up on Bedloe's Island, which is now known as Liberty Island, so that she would always have an audience. The gospel, of course, is worthy of a nonstop worldwide audience. The statue's full title is Statue of Liberty, Liberty Enlightening the World, and the gospel is the only monument to God's liberating grace for sinners. It is also the sole means of spiritual enlightenment getting to a planet full of rebels. The statue was especially engineered to stand upright and strong in the face of New York City's harbor sometimes and its violent winds. A very thin skin of pounded copper has been wrapped over a strong metal skeletal structure. The gospel is well built to stand strong against the shifting oppositional hurricanes of pride and sin and evil and depravity. The statue is engineered with flecks to brave the storms of the Northeast. The gospel's essence uncompromised, but its application is flexible to the lost people of all the earth and ages. The Statue of Liberty was designed and built in France and the gospel was fashioned and perfected in heaven. The Statue of Liberty was assembled in America and the gospel is believed on and applied in the lives right here on earth, your life and mine. The statue was conceived by Laboulaye and then crafted by Bartholdi. The gospel was conceived in the heart of the triune God and then brought to life in the incarnate life of the son of God. The statue would be incomplete without Lady Liberty's crown. The gospel would be incomplete without Jesus Christ's crown of thorns which is emblematic of all of his sufferings for you and me on his cross. In 1982, the statue needed to be restored. And in this 21st century, the gospel needs to be restored due to religious perversions, due to the universalism of liberal Christianity. The gospel of grace is a heavenly and an earthly monument to freedom from sin, freedom from self, freedom from Satan, which one day will be fully celebrated in all of eternity by worshiping believers in Jesus Christ who come from every tongue, tribe, language, and people group. The Statue of Liberty is the gateway to seeing and savoring the beauties of America. The gospel is the gateway to seeing and savoring the beauties of God Almighty. Please pray with me. Father, we love to tell the story. It is pleasant to repeat what seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. We love to tell the story, for some have never heard the message of salvation from God's own holy word. Father, please, Refresh us in gratitude and in obedience as we consider the gospel by opening Romans 1, 16 and 17 in these minutes. May the gospel be the majestic, gorgeous centerpiece on the dining room tables of our redeemed lives and not the dusty, unused china in our dining room hutches. Now, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer, we pray in the Lord Jesus' precious name. Amen. The Monument of the Gospel, Romans 1 16 to 17. And I read, For I am not ashamed of the Gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. I wonder why the apostle Paul would start those two sentences with the phrase, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. In verse nine, previous to these verses, he had asserted that his service to God was linked up to preaching the gospel. In verse 15, the verse that immediately precedes verse 16, Paul had mentioned his eagerness to preach the gospel to those who were in Rome. So in light of these past mentioned facts in the book of Romans chapter 3, why in the world would verse 16 begin with, for I am not ashamed of the gospel? Well, perhaps 1 Corinthians 1, 18-31 throws some light on how some people, maybe you, could possibly be ashamed of the gospel. First Corinthians 1, 18 to 31. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? And where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the in the wisdom of the world, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed the Jews ask for signs and the Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are the called, both the Jews and the Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. But by his doing you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, just as it is written, let him who boasts boast in the Lord. Yes, Paul begins verse 16 with the phrase, For
0: I am not ashamed of the gospel. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers.
2: Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas, another edition of Youth Talk. And today we want to continue where we left off last week. And we we talked about how um, God's letter to us, and it's a love letter, and how it shows us just the things, the truth, is how God sent his son to die for us so that he can have a relationship. And we look in Paul's letter to the, to the Church of Ephesus, and we see just how great and awesome our God is. And I, I want to read again. And, and last time, we looked at it from the message. I want to just read it from that again so that we can look at how plain and how great and how awesome our God is. And it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, and like I said, this is from the message, which is a paraphrase, but this is what it says. Long before he laid down the earth's foundations... He had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of His love, to be made whole and holy by His love. Long, long ago, He decided to adopt us into His family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure He took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of His lavish gift given by the hand of His beloved Son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah's blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We are a free people, free of penalties and punishment chalked up. By our all of our misdeeds. And not just barely free either. Abundantly free. He thought of everything provided for everything we could possibly need. Letting us in on his plans he took such delight in making. He set it all before us in Christ. A long range plan in which everything we brought together and summed up in him. Everything in deepest heaven. Everything on planet earth. It's in Christ that we found out who we are. And what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose is working out in everything and everyone. Again, as we consider this and we consider how um, God's love for us from the beginning of time, he had the whole foundation, laid it out. Um, We see some things that God has done for us. The first thing we see in verse 4 is, that He chose us, He chose us and He wants to use us. Um, as we consider that, and we consider it just as when we think of our relationships, and we think of for for us who you know are married, if you're listening, or those who you know even in a dating relationship, the thing that you know you're in a relationship with somebody and they chose to be in this relationship with you. And this is what God's done for us. He chose to be in a relationship with us. We did nothing to desire. This relationship, but he did it for us. Um, and when I consider that, and I consider that, you know, I want us to think of a couple of questions. How does that make you feel to know that God chose you? And how would you, how what do you want to say to God? Do you, how do you show God your love and your your you know, God? I'm thankful for what you have done. We also see in this passage that he made us whole and holy. And He's continuing to work with us. As we think of verse 4, it says, To be holy and blameless in love before Him. Again, as we consider that, this is what God wants us. He wants us to be whole. We're whole in Him. We're holy in Him. Does that mean that we don't sin? No, because we are sinful people. But we can be made whole. You know, there may be someone who is listening to this broadcast and sometimes you feel like, well, I'm missing something. I want to ask you, do you have a relationship with Christ? Because in Christ, we are made whole. We are put together. Um, imagine just a, a puzzle, and, and you get to the whole puzzle, and you get to the end, and you know you have probably two or three pieces left, but you realize that I don't know where they are. That means that it's insufficient. It means that you can't complete it. It means that you have to look for some other way, or, or it's no way of finishing the puzzle. It's incomplete. In Christ, we are made whole. And until we come relationship with Christ we, we're still going to be missing things but when we come to know Christ, we are made whole. What else did God do for us He adopted us as sons and daughters. Um, you know for me as I consider adoption as I consider you know I have an adopted daughter and I consider how that child I look at her no different and I think to myself how the love I have for her but the thing that God adopted me. When I wanted nothing to do with him. You know, I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to do whatever it is. I wanted to pursue the world's desires. But he adopted me into his family. What a God that we serve. What a God that we can worship. What a God that shows so much profound love to us. He also died for you. As we consider the truth, that it says, He predestined us to be adopted sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to praise the glorious grace that He lavished on us in the Beloved One. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. It's His blood. It's only because of what He did on the cross for our sins. As Jesus came to this earth and He died for our sins, His blood redeemed us and it forgave us. It's the only reason that we can have a relationship with God. And when we consider that, it's amazing because I want to ask you a question. Would you die for someone who wanted nothing to do with you? Would you die for your enemy? Because in Romans, it talks about how God sent his son to die for us when we wanted nothing to do with him. We were his enemies. But yet he died for us because he loved us. He loved you. And he wants a relationship with you. Also, and we consider this, he made plans for us. He knows what we're going to do. He knows our plans, but we have to follow in his will. And it said in verse 8 of chapter, Ephesians chapter 1, that He richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure that He purposed in Christ, as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth. Again, as we consider this, God wants it. And God has things laid out for us. And it's amazing when you can see, when you choose to do the right thing, and you choose to, Follow God's will for your life, how things work together. But when you choose the wrong path and you go the wrong way and and, and things don't work out, you see where you should have made a different decision. But God has made plans for you. The question, are we going to walk in the plans that God has made for us? Or are we going to go against those plans? And lastly, He gave you a purpose. And it says this in verse 12. So that we, who had already put our hope in Christ, might bring praise to his glory. you see our purpose on this earth is to bring honor and glory to God. so I want to challenge you as we start this series and we talked about how God's word is such a, a great letter to us and this week we look at how it's a, a love letter as, it, as we see here talking about how great and awesome God is that he chose us that he adopted us, that he made us whole, that he died for you that, that we are redeemed and he forgave you, he made plans for you and he gave you a purpose. I want to ask you, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Can you say that I can ex- I have experienced this love? And because I've experienced love, what are you doing with that love? Are you living a life that's pleasing to God? Are you showing people what it means to, to be a child of God? You know, when I consider again as as I think of the adopted you, it's amazing how, like I said earlier, my daughter's adopted. But it's amazing how people will say, She does things just like us, or she looks like us. In fact, some people don't even know that she's adopted. And I I think, wow, you know, it's amazing because she's taken on our mannerism, taken on the way that we do life. And when I think of that, I, I think to myself, what about us who call ourselves Christians? Do we start to look like God? Are we looking like Him? Are we becoming more like Christ? Would people look at us, our lives and say, wow, you're a follower of Christ, and I can see it? Or would they see a person that doesn't look anything like Christ, who looks like a person who is far away from Christ? So I would challenge each and every one of us who, as we look at God's Word, as we think of being adopted, that we would become and look more like our Father that we would look more and we would take on his manners, that we would take on, as his word tells us, that we would bring honor and glory to him in all that we do. This is Pastor Nicholas, and has been an edition of Utah.
0: And now, today's personal God story. Well,
1: uh, it's my pleasure again to have my brother and sister DeWitt and Sally Simonette with me today recording. Good morning. Good morning, morning, Pastor Elliot thank you we have been telling your story letting you tell your story and it's quite a story um marriage problems with each other break up uh permission from the court to remarry remarry uh, both marriages not uh proving to be very satisfying both of you thinking and remembering one another fondly uh, both your uh mates died and uh sally had tried to Reached out to find DeWitt without success um, and no phone number that working and no sense of where he was. And then I, I sort of cut you off last week. What were you going to say, please?
3: I finally found him.
1: How did you do that?
3: Well, his niece was talking to my best friend. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. And, and so uh, she and told you she best gave best me his friend. number.
1: Oh, so yes. what would you do with that number?
3: Well he called me first, oh, how did
1: that work? How did you have her number?
3: Oh, I always do one number because uh, no uh, you know um, we, we we talked thirty years ago we, we maybe thirty years maybe, about thirty years ago 30 years. Mm, um she 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 had she had called me I, I worked in an Abaco. yes, and what happened was uh, she was able to. Get in contact with me because her friend was operating the the uh, article, and she was operating the the system. Okay. So, um, this, this is Oh Bashtai, Okay. So you
1: finally found. got to talk. You found each yeah. other, yeah. and you talked on the phone
3: or in person. On the phone. On, on, the, on phone. the phone. On the phone. And, the phone. and you. I started. didn't know it looked like the uh, over oh, 50 years, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. But we talked and, on the uh, phone. Wow. You know. What happened was um, uh, her friend had told her that I was I was in Abaco. And then again, um, we had a chance um, to talk. She had told me, and this is what I appreciate about it, she told me that how sorry she was for what happened and what I went through and asked me to forgive her. Mm. Which I did. Yes. So um, it's like, uh, it's just like, it's not a just right now thing. It's been a long time. Yes. But it's like um, God had us go through our wilderness. Yes. And we didn't go backward. We went forward. Oh, that's so beautiful. So we ended up where we met the first time. Well tell us about that, Sally. Uh, when and where did
1: you meet re meet each other?
3: We met in once in Oshawa. Uh-huh. Yeah, for a little while. Just for, I don't know how many days it was, but anyhow. And then then I didn't see him again for a little while. And
0: yeah. then and
3: then we started to talk last year. Yeah before last October. Yes. Uh, yes. Because we got married last year, October.
1: Yeah, you heard it, listeners. They got married last year. Is this a story or what? Uh, We had the newspaper come to the uh, ceremony uh, when you got wed. Did you know that? The newspaper reporter was there, I think.
3: Yeah, I heard so.
1: Yeah. I didn't know. Well, you made the newspaper. But uh, so when you started talking... Um, on the phone at first before you went to Marsh Harbor to meet him, Sally.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, was it just sort of uh, catching up on the years apart, or was it other things you talked about?
3: Well, we, just really catching up. Catching up. Yes, just about catching up.
1: Catching up. And did you, Sally? Did you pick up that Dewitt was a changed person? Yes. Uh huh. Yes. How
3: did you perceive him as being changed? Well, I didn't. I just with this conversation and the talking, mm-hmm. and uh, I just had like a spirit. The Lord just gave me that, that comfort spirit that
1: comfortable, peaceful spirit, peaceful, yeah, beautiful. And do yeah. it when you were talking to Sally on the phone and
3: at Marsh Harbor. Did you perceive that she had changed, been changed? Yes, because it's like I say to her now and to people. Um, she 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 may have a, a body may be old but 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 it's a new Sa- sally inside of it. Mm. You know, it's like a new engine in, in, in a an antique. A new engine in a fine Mercedes-Benz
1: <laughs> car. <Yes. laughs> yeah. Yes. And uh, what's in what ways did you perceive that Sally was new? Well, um
3: the motor is controlled by her. Mm. And, her speech was uh, different. Yeah, different, you know, um, she, she listened. She better listen. She listens and um, she asks us my um, my opinions and things like that. And she's not the person that she was. That If it wasn't her way, it wasn't going to be no way.
1: Very interesting. What would you say to the listener this morning who... Um, is married and and sees a lot of what's wrong in their husband or their wife. Is there hope for things to change? Of course.
3: Right. Yes. Yeah,
1: because of Christ, right?
3: Yeah, on yeah. the of God, there is hope. There is hope. But it has to be in Christ. It has to be
1: in Christ, and has to come as a result of prayer. Of prayer. And to stay committed
3: in that marriage. And committed,
1: yes. And prayerful. Yes. All right. We're going to put a semicolon right here like we have been doing these different Sundays. Tell more of the story next time. Thank you so much for continuing to tell us your amazing story. Why don't we pray? Lord, your grace is amazing. Help us, whoever we are, wherever we are, to know that you are in the business of changing lives for the better.
0: And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church Nassau, Bahamas Today our worship service begins at 10.30am in the sanctuary located at 62 Collins Avenue We invite you to join us Feel free to write us at EOCradio at gmail.com That's EOCradio at gmail.com Or write us at P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.